Welcome to Pocket Economics, a guide to changing lives. It's our podcast about the ideas which are shaping the EBRD regions and beyond. I'm Jonathan Charles. Today we have a very special guest, Anna Barnabic, the Prime Minister of Serbia, and we're here inside the Embassy of Serbia in London. Well, normally we focus on ideas in general without concentrating too much on individual parts of the world. But for this episode, we're going to bend the rules a bit. We'll be looking at integration, but specifically integration and the Western Balkans. I might add that we're recording this on the eve of the Western Balkans Investment Summit here in London. It's the third such summit we've hosted at our headquarters, and as ever, all six Western Balkans Prime Ministers are attending. But first, as usual in this programme, let's define the terms. What do we mean by integration? Well, one definition is economic integration is the process whereby different regions reduce or eliminate physical and other kinds of trade barriers and often coordinate their monetary and even fiscal policies. The goal is to reduce costs for both customers, consumers, producers and boost trade volumes and therefore accelerate growth. Prime Minister, does that definition sound something that you could uh, buy into? Does it sound like a definition of integration that, that you could back? For sure. I think uh, that's the, the, the right definition for integration. I think, you know, if, if uh, I needed to add anything to that definition, I would certainly add political context and, and especially for the Western Balkans. So you might say, you know, there are six prime ministers, I would say there are five prime ministers, so it's always interesting in the Western Balkans. And obviously I think that uh, the political uh, political integration or at least understanding on what the future holds for the, uh, politically for the Western Balkans is an extremely important part of, of the trade integration of Western Balkans. Integration is always a, a phrase that people bandy about and it makes it sound very easy to do. But actually, beyond the words, integration is often quite difficult to achieve. It is quite difficult to achieve, especially if you have a difficult history, as, as we do in the Western Balkans. So there is, a, there is an additional that kind of uh, you know, emotional and political burden that we have to deal with. And that's why you know, what we as politicians say and our rhetorics is always very important. However, and also especially with the support of EBRD, I would say, and I will uh, mention that tomorrow as well, I think what's important for us is that, you know, we've established this chamber investment forum, kind of the regional chamber of commerce, and especially for the Western Balkans, you know, I think that uh, businesses should lead and the politics should follow. Why do you think integration is so important to achieve, whether it's generally or in the Western Balkans context? What does it deliver? Well, I think, you know, uh, especially in the Western Balkans and, you know, that's the, the case in, in, in certain other areas of the world, uh, is that, you know, we are comparatively small countries and therefore small markets. And uh, Serbia being the biggest country and the biggest market is still very small, only about 7 million people. And together we make up a market of 20 million people. And that is really the key to our sustainable growth in the future. You mentioned their regional chamber of commerce, the idea of uh, chambers of commerce really getting together uh, in order to promote integration. That's one way of helping. But generally, how do you think then we go beyond the word integration to advance it in the Western Balkans? What, what is required? What needs to be done? 
I think we're doing the right thing now. We are we are meeting uh, very often as politicians. That provides for a good uh, framework for dialogue, and dialogue is always the the key uh, thing. Then we've done a whole lot again with the support of EBRD in terms of uh, uh, connecting uh, chambers, different chambers of commerce. We've uh, adopted the action plan, a very specific uh, and viable action plan for regional economic area, so economic integration. We have uh, very good, I would say, very good plans for connectivity agenda, so infrastructure. And then I think really, uh, you know, something that will make all of these efforts sustainable is obviously youth. And there, within the Berlin process, we have this regional youth cooperation office. I think we as politicians should uh, should provide more support to it. And as a first step, uh, kind of uh, uh, pay more attention to it. Uh, and also, I personally believe that, you know, this whole soft connectivity digitalization is extremely important. And to end, I would end with with the culture, and and I would say that you know culture and uh, and um, uh, cultural diplomacy is something that we should invest in more in the future, which will bring us one step closer to general integration. You've talked there about soft connectivity. What what do you mean by that? How would you define that phrase? Of you know, I, I think we could all understand the the hard wired connectivity, the idea of uh, the roads and all the other things. But what how would you define soft connectivity? Well, I think it it really uh, has is is extremely important. Uh, has, uh, it's especially important in terms of really even when you talk about hard connectivity, you know, railways, roads. All of that is really futile if you do not have this kind of digitalization in government uh, segment. So e-government, you know, then you know you can you can uh, basically provide all the services electronically. You can cut uh, waiting times at borders. You can uh, uh, you can cut down on the paperwork. Uh, you really have uh, you know you, there is this whole just talk only in terms of digitalization in government, there is this whole context in which Western Balkans can cut cut on corruption, improve on efficiency, and significantly improve on transparency, and all of that will, will just uh, kind of uh, serve to uh, provide a different image of the Western Balkans. What do you think stands in the way of closer integration? I mean, we're doing a lot. Uh, the West is doing a lot. The European Bank for Reconstruction Development is doing a lot. Individual governments are doing a lot in the region. But what do you see as the obstacles? Uh, I would say that the, the, the first obstacle is that, by nature, we are more focused on what we are doing in our own countries. And, and therefore, you know, there is only 24 hours in a day. Uh, so these 20, you know, that's kind of, you know, uh, 20 hours are invested into into own uh, internal home affairs. Uh, and, uh, you know, we probably need to uh, try and, uh, and, and, and set aside more time uh, and more energy to think about integration. Uh, I think the step, one step in the right direction there is something that we've agreed on in the, during the, the meeting and the summit in, uh, in uh, Duras, in Albania, when we uh, agreed that 
each of the prime ministers will appoint a person from our cabinets to basically work on uh, regional economic area, ac implementation of the action plan. So I think we should, uh, we should probably dedicate more uh, uh, people time into actually working on specific projects which would, which would lead uh, uh, to integration. And finally, I truly deeply believe in uh, the quick wins and celebrating quick wins. Uh, as long as, as, as we can really hold on to something that we together have done, that will provide for uh, more energy to, to be invested into other things. If we do not have these quick wins, then it will all remain in kind of in the theory realm and then and, and we are not going to uh, uh, be able to really honestly invest more times into something that we do not truly believe in. So citizens need to see the early benefits. Exactly. And the governments and the politicians as well. We really need to see something tangible that, that, that uh, we together created, made, and then build on that tangible successes. Just a reminder, you're listening to Pocket Economics, the EBRD podcast on how economic ideas can help to change people's lives. I'm Jonathan Charles. Today, we're discussing integration and the Western Balkans with our very special guest, Anna Barnovic, the Prime Minister of Serbia. And Prime Minister, we've been talking really on the assumption that integration is an unmitigated good thing. Uh, now, of course, that's not entirely shared as we see in the whole world these days. You know, integration sometimes is seen as a, another word for globalization, and that's not always seen as a, an absolutely positive thing. What do you say to those people who are worried about what integration might mean for their economic prospects or for their national identity? Two of the issues that really often come up when people are worried about integration. Well, firstly, I would never worry about national identity. I think you, you, you either have national identity or you don't, and I don't think that it can be lost kind of along the way. Uh, so that is, uh, for me, just a, a non-starter completely. On the, on, and in general, I can understand, you know, what the integration uh, always uh, uh, brings competitiveness. So more further integration means that you know countries need to become more competitive and private sector players need to be more become more competitive. So I would I understand why some people are against it because you know it makes life more difficult for the governments and more difficult for the the private sector uh, companies. But the but at the end of the day it makes life easier, uh, more inexpensive, and of better quality for everyday citizens. And more opportunities. Exactly. So I think, you know, we are here to serve our citizens as best as possible. So in, the, in that context, protectionism does not bring anything good for, for our citizens. So we need to be prepared to fight there, to, be, to become more efficient, to become more effective, uh, and, and that really is, is, is the only way to bring more, uh, more quality for the everyday life of our citizens. And I understand some people have problems with that because they don't like to compete, but it is what it is. And I think that you know, we, we really need to push for integration precisely so we bring more competitiveness to our citizens. Serbia has made it pretty clear that it wants to join the European Union. 
how big a driver of integration do you think is in in this region do you think is the eu and and that desire of countries to join and therefore to be to increase their integration ahead of joining the eu i think it's one of the key drivers but i also think it you know it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a a, a political driver uh, i believe that the integration as well as the EU, but stronger EU, uh, means what I've just said, means that, you know, for, for our citizens, we bring, you know, we have better services, we have uh, um, um, uh, inexpensive uh, uh, products, uh, or higher quality products with better guarantees, you know, all, all, of, all of this is just, just uh, improvement in the quality of life of our citizens. I think for the, in terms of the EU integration, our Serbia strategic goal is EU integration. But I think first and foremost, because we want to become part of that kind of uh, um, uh, shared values culture. Uh, in terms of uh, what will the reforms that will eventually bring us to the EU, they basically remain, you know, with the, the, they are founded on three key pillars. That is the economic development, macroeconomic st- uh, stability, um, fiscal discipline, um, the environment in which small and, and medium-sized companies can prosper, which is also attractive for foreign investments and so on and so forth. Now, the second pillar is certainly public administration and, 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 and implementing the reforms, which would lead to more efficient and more transparent public administration uh, and less costly public administration. And the third key pillar is certainly the rule of law and judiciary. And so I think that all of these reforms are important, as I keep saying, first and foremost for our own citizens and our own businesses. And we need to implement these reforms for ourselves. No matter what. And then consequently, they will also lead us to the EU. But we shouldn't be doing that because of the EU. We really should be believing in those reforms. So as I said, you know, even if theoretically, say, EU doesn't want to have more members. What are we going to do? I mean, these are still one of the, and the same reforms that we want to do for ourselves and our own sake. So I think that, you know, EU should be, should really be a kind of a family of nations which we want to share first and foremost values with. Let me ask you to take a, a step back from being prime minister and as a, as a, a private citizen in, in, in some ways. On a more personal note, I mean, you come from a generation which is only a, really a vague memory of the former Yugoslavia. You know, you were quite young when it, uh, when it disintegrated. What, therefore, does integration mean to you as a, as a private citizen, bearing in mind the history of the region? Well, well I, was, I was 15 when, when, the, when the war uh, broke out. Uh, I have to say that, you know, uh, uh, it's important because because we want we do not want wars in the future and uh, and in order to ensure that as responsible politicians or responsible people we do not uh, leave uh, frozen conflicts which which can eventually escalate in wars uh, for our future generations that we need to resolve them now or or do as much as we can to leave as uh, as 
little, as few of the open issues as possible. So I think it really is about uh, stability and prosperity and the sense of uh, uh, safety uh, and security. And also, you know, at least on my part, you know, I have uh, kind of a... Uh, you know, interesting background in which my, my paternal grandfather was uh, from Croatia. So he was Croat. He wasn't Serb from Croatia. He was Croat. And, uh, and uh, you know, I have many, many friends in Croatia. I, I spent uh, uh, my summers in Croatia until I was 15 years old. Uh, so I saw uh, this war through a very different eyes when also my family was split to an extent. And I think there's there are many families like that in uh, former Yugoslavia because it was ethnically very mixed country. So I think the time has come for us to leave the past to the past and really look to the future. And in that respect, I think that recent visit of President Vucic to, uh, to Croatia and subsequent meetings that both he, him and the president of Croatia had uh, were very, very positive signal. And I think that, you know, as citizens as well as obviously we as, uh, as the politicians, we need to... And, people who are leading the government should now in, get involved and, and, and provide support to our presidents in, in uh, making this reconciliation uh, more effective and actually hap happen. Uh, so overall, I think it's time, it's time for to, to leave the past to the past and look uh, to the future. It's going to be difficult sometimes. It's a very complex region, but we have to really uh, try and, and, and behave responsibly. That sounds like a good note to end this conversation on. Uh, Prime Minister, thank you very much. It's been great having you with us. Thank you for uh, allowing us to do this interview. Uh, and it's a fascinating topic. We could have devoted a lot more time to talking about it, uh, but we have to call it a day there. If you're interested in learning more about this subject, by the way, you can find out more on ebrd.com. Meanwhile, share your thoughts with us at EBRD on Twitter and Facebook. Visit iTunes, SoundCloud and ebrd.com slash podcast to download the previous episodes. For me, Jonathan Charles. Until next time, goodbye.